Welcome to Turning the Tide, a podcast featuring stories of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things in the midst of a global pandemic. Our host is Dr. Lionel Young, who serves as the Executive Vice President of Global Action and is also a research associate with the Cambridge Centre for Christianity Worldwide in Cambridge, England. Our prayer is that you would be blessed, inspired, and encouraged by the stories that we will share. I'm here with my friend Igor Grishayev from Ukraine, and he is uh, Global Action's uh, Director of Eastern Europe. And um, he's also a friend, and I've enjoyed my time with Igor over the last uh, uh, less than two years I've been with Global Action now. Eager's actually been with Global Action for 16 years. He lives in the western part of Ukraine, in Lviv, and uh, he uh, graduated from the University of Nizhyn. Did I say that right, Eager? Um, yes. A, an, a, an old university that goes back to the 19th century in Ukraine there. And uh, he uh, coordinates our efforts uh, for equipping leaders in Eastern Europe. Igor, let's uh, begin by just talking a little bit about your beautiful country of Ukraine. I sure enjoyed being with you there last year and looking forward to being back with you soon, I hope. Um, I know that um, many people refer to Ukraine as the borderland. Um, could you just talk about why that's significant, why they use that word borderland in talking about Ukraine? Um, Ukraine is, uh, as, as, as many other former Soviet republics, uh, left Soviet Union in 1991. And since then, this is the most free country a part of other republics of the Soviet Union where you can freely preach gospel. Hmm. Russian language is still uh, is the main language which we, we can communicate with other nations hmm. around Ukraine. Baltic countries, Moldova, uh, Belarus, uh, Georgia, they all can understand Russian. But in these countries, gospel is not so preached well, free as it is in Ukraine. Mm. And especially in Russia, that's the biggest part of the near, uh, the biggest country uh, in, on the east of Ukraine and where many people speak Russian. So we know Russian and many pastors, especially we train during our Glomus program since 2004, went to Far East, for example, Siberia. Uh, uh, planting churches and preach gospel in Russia. And I believe that uh, Ukraine is the uh, borderland where, through which uh, not only people go through back and forth from the west to the east, uh, but also the gospel is preached from this country freely. One of the things I was um, I was amazed by when I was with you and meeting some uh, some of your local leaders and a couple of historians there that you connected me with was um, just realizing how Ukraine is geographically positioned to really have an impact on 
Eastern Europe. It, all these countries border Ukraine, and since your independence, which was in, was it 1991 from, from Soviet Union, you have greater liberty and greater freedom to not only preach the gospel in Ukraine, but in some of these border countries. Yeah, I think that's um, uh, in, uh, there are a lot of mainstream, there are mainstreams, Christian mainstreams, if I am right, in Ukraine. And uh, there are some which are not known in Russia, for example, or other countries like Messianic movements. Uh, and uh, so we are giving, uh, Ukraine is uh, giving freedom to, uh, religious freedom to other uh, people to express themselves through other denominations, but altogether we preach gospel to those who uh, desperately need uh, salvation from the Lord. Now, you, you mentioned the Messianic movement. Let's just talk about that for just a moment, because when I was with you, um, I met one of the pastors who who leads a, a messianic congregation. But for those who don't understand what the messianic movement is, tell us about his church and and the and I think this is where we just recently had a, held a class uh, in the pro. Um, for our listeners who are not familiar with the messianic movement, this is just really amazing. I think. Uh... Jewish people, and they started uh, receiving Christ since 1991 after the Soviet Union collapsed in Ukraine, and they gradually, uh, I mean, I, I mean uh, real Jews, not the one who can uh, wear a keeper or whatever, so, uh, so they started uh, identifying themselves with Messiah. And they're realizing that uh, Christianity is something different from what to follow Messianic Judaism. So they started planting churches uh, in the 90s. And uh, the, Ukraine is the second country after the Soviet, or after the United States, where there, is a, there are biggest uh, churches, uh, a lot of churches in Ukraine, Messianic churches in Ukraine. Mm. So this, you say the, the biggest number, and then uh, Ukraine. So they uh, preach uh, gospel, they they, uh, but they mostly follow the Messianic Judaism. Mm -hmm. So, and in, in just for our listeners, uh, just to clarify that, these are, are people who are culturally, they are Jewish and they have embraced their Jewish culture, but in their faith, they have also embraced Jesus as their Messiah. And so these are churches and growing churches. And they call Jesus Yeshua, we yes. call Jesus. So, yes. uh, and uh, as a global action ministry in Ukraine, we are connecting different denominations, different uh, with different backgrounds and cultures. Mm. Uh, uh, we are, as an organization, are most uh, relevant to every denomination since we don't wear any umbrella. We are yeah. serving people to help to train uh, different uh, denominations pastors. Now, I think I did see a video of uh, one of the events there in the pro at the, the, the church there, the, the Messianic uh, congregation, where they were dancing in celebration. Um, and I thought, man, I want to be part of that. That looks like a lot of fun. They know how to celebrate. Yeah. Uh, as the, you know, the Jews, they, uh, uh, they never come, they never are on the one side. They can, uh, if they cry, they cry. If they, <laughs> If they uh, laugh, they laugh. They laugh. 
that's the common thing for messianic I love that. Um, talk a little bit about um, how you've been affected by uh, COVID-19 in, in Ukraine. Uh, I can give you the, uh, a figure uh, which can tell you more about the situation. Uh, there will be the biggest number of unemployed people in Ukraine. It, mm. uh, the number is 500,000 people. Mm. That's the number uh, for the independent history of Ukraine. Um, uh, businesses, uh, churches even, they were not prepared for this situation. And uh, some churches even disappeared. Mm. Since, uh, people uh, stopped going to church and uh, they, the pastors couldn't answer uh, the new reality. But some churches uh, started uh, online ministries uh, before COVID-19. Uh, so they survived. Uh, and the same for businesses and for the other people, individuals, uh, they are struggling. They don't, uh, pay, they couldn't sell, they couldn't uh, buy to sell. So uh, we are struggling economically and especially it, uh, it's more devastating for a small provincial towns like Ushgorod, uh like uh, Kamensky, also other small towns mm. where they didn't have so much resources like in big cities uh, like Kyiv. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I think that many people just assume that um, the rest of the world has the kind of access to technology that we have here in the West. And um, I recently read a statistic that um, showed that less than um, uh, half of the world's Christians uh, half of the world's Christians have access to reliable Wi-Fi. Um, and that's to, to us in the Western world's unthinkable, but um, the non-Western world's being affected in a much greater way, I think, by this COVID-19 than, than we are. Um, talk a little bit about the Roma people. Uh, I know this is something you're really excited about and uh, and I believe that this is something we want to do uh, during the midst of this crisis to, to help some people who are in need. If you could just explain to our listeners who the Roma people are and, um, and why Global Action is, is working with uh, Roma leaders uh, in Ukraine. Uh, one of the disadvantages, uh, disadvantaged nations are Roma people in Ukraine. For example, 80% uh, of Roma, they are illiterate. Mm. Uh, only 30, sorry. And I, I was going to say, many people may know them as gyp gypsy people, um, which oh, they're, 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 but, but the right terminology today is Roma people. Uh, because gypsy, or in Russian, it is, uh, this is Tsigan, uh, means uh, thief. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. That's why they uh, prefer to call them Roma. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have different words, not gypsy, but I don't know what does how or what is the translation for gypsy. But okay, gypsy, yeah, they 80% of gypsy are illiterate, and 30% of them do not have passports. Uh, uh, and passport allows you to work, to have job, to send children to school, and other social uh, benefits. Uh, Roma people are out 
uh, of the uh, lack of it. Uh, and during uh, COVID-19, Roma children who could, not many of them, but some of them could go to school, uh, they were out of the education uh, process since they didn't have uh, Wi-Fi or they didn't have internet in their villages. Mm. So, and one of the uh, work our Glomas graduates are doing with them, they are trying to bring to the, the same level these children to give them education while they are out of uh, common educational process in uh, online teaching. Uh, usually, uh, Roma is living the horrible poverty. Uh, if you've been to India uh, and you saw slums, uh, it's similar to how gypsy people live in Ukraine. Uh, especially, um, they are struggling with uh, different diseases. They are struggling with uh, a lot of uh, uh, superstitions uh, against them from us Ukrainians. Uh, they they live in instant uh, in in sanitary conditions without basic hygiene hygienic facilities. Mm. Uh, that's why we work, uh, and uh, I am Slavic. I can't work with them since I am not uh, theirs. I am not gypsy. I have white. Uh, I have. I am white. So it's like with Indians. It's better to work through Indians with Indians. So I right. we work in Ukraine through Roma uh, gypsy who are Christians and who are pastors for, and they are well received by their native people. Mm. So. Uh, and these, there are 200,000 gypsy people who live in Ukraine uh, and they are growing in numbers since they are like Islamic uh, uh, Muslims, they are bringing, they are giving birth to many, many children uh, and, uh, and the, this nation is the one where emerging leaders are coming. Right. And uh, and we need them to help to integrate them into the uh, Ukrainian society using Christian uh, values. Well, and I think this this shows again why leadership development is so important. Um, again, what um, what many of our supporters um, we 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 tell them how our passion is to equip local leaders. Um, and um, here's a great illustration um, of why it's so important to equip Roma leaders, uh, because you're, you're in Ukraine, you're Ukrainian, but even you would have a difficult time having an effective ministry in some of these Roma villages. And yet our ministry equips Roma pastors to work effectively in those areas where we we would not be as effective. No. Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, the way we work with uh, uh, local leaders who are gypsy is to encourage them, to train them and give them the ways how to uh, tell their gypsy people a simple uh, gospel that they can understand and live a life, a Christian life, on a constant basis. And, and I know uh, just from uh, working with you over the last few months, uh, Eager, that we're making progress there among Roma people, that, that the gospel's growing there, that churches are being planted. Um, um, 
any any stories you you might that come to your mind of a a, a pastor that's maybe leading a, a Roma church that's been through our training? Yeah, uh, there is a pastor with the name of uh, uh, Robbie. Uh, you could see him on a video. Or we may uh, we took uh, in 2017. He's the one of the example uh, how he was encouraged and educated or trained and equipped during Lomas in 2017 and how he his church grow in that area in the village of Ratipsi. Hmm. This is the village nearby Ushgurt. Uh, he not only been trained but he equipped other 14 leaders in his church. Hmm. Hmm. And those 14 leaders, I know uh, from that they in, uh, were encouraged and they trained others, uh, people uh, who goes to church using the material and the knowledge they received from Pastor Robbie. So we yeah. could one person who equipped 14 and then 14 equipped others. Hmm. That's the way we work. Uh, here's another example, if I may. Um, that in 2017, we met with Pastor Joseph, who worked with Roma people. And yeah. we didn't know that. And, uh, and nowadays, he won, he dreamed to plant a church in Ukraine for Roma people, using Roma people from Hungary. That will be another uh, story of connecting people, uh, what we are doing usually in, uh, usually in uh, global action, connecting different nations, connecting different denominations, and especially and now different, um, different nations are Hungarians and Ukrainians. Uh, Dripsy from you mm. will be working together to reach uh, their communities. And these people, these these leaders, and the people that we're equipping, they're not just pastoring churches; they're they're serving their communities. Yeah. And every year, all over Ukraine, they're holding camps for children. And um, uh, and that, to me, is one of the most exciting things about our work: is we're equipping leaders to transform their local communities, whether it's ghettos, villages, towns, cities, um, doing things that we could never do, but we're equipping them to do that. And that to me is so exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the way to share the uh, uh, global experience, global church experience with the local churches, which helps them to understand that they are not the ones struggling or fighting or sharing gospel in their communities. So they are using the encouragement and the knowledge uh, to share the gospel with their communities, not only with the word, but with the deal, uh, deeds. Uh, and uh, like our, one of our Glomas graduates, Irina Mirasano, she uh, has a passion to work with disadvantaged children who are in prisons, who are, in, who are left by mothers since the, these mothers are imprisoned. Uh, and through these children, uh, we reach their mothers and their, uh, and their relatives. That's, uh, uh, we are making disciples. Mm -hmm. That's the way we work with, with children uh, reaching. It's sometimes it's better to go through the child and the mother become interested and in listening. But uh, all of our leaders, they are equipped in Globus and encouraged to and they shared with us their vision for children ministry and we helped them to expand their ministries for the children in their mm. communities. Mm. 
That's fantastic. Well, um, Eva, before we're done, um, tell us how we can be praying for you right now during this time. I know we're 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 trying to mobilize some resources to just some emergency resources to help um, in Ukraine during COVID-19 and its after effects. How can we pray for you and for the team there in Ukraine? for God's healing in every team soul that we will be able to serve and to equip and to expand the gospel through people in Ukraine, uh, churches in Ukraine, uh, wisdom in relations uh, and growing in Christ for all of the team members. Well, Igor, it was great to be with you today. Thanks for being our guest um, on this podcast. And my prayer is that just through our time together, more people will hear about the needs uh, that exist around the world. They'll be inspired by the work that you're doing and 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 perhaps even encouraged to to do something in a special way to to expand the gospel there in Eastern Europe. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Turning the Tide. If you would like more information about global action and the work that we do, please visit our website, www.globalaction.com.